What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Ski System Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Ski System, Abe Maynard. And I wanted to say thank you specifically to people that have been sending me messages about their training. It's really cool to hear how your consistency is starting to impact your skiing, even this late in the season. And I think a lot of times when people think about training, they think of it as something that precedes the season, not something that's maintained throughout the season but the benefits are overwhelming for maintaining your training frequency, just like athletes do. If you think about it, no, we're not all trying to be athletes and go to the Olympics, but there are huge benefits to maintaining your training consistency, obviously for your health, but also for your body, for your joints, your tendons, your ligaments, your stability. And we all know if you've been listening to this podcast or reading the blog post or participating in the training programs or following along on social, which you must be doing one of those to even hear about it. These things help reduce the risk of injury and they don't help reduce the risk of injury. Just when the season starts, their maintenance helps reduce the risk of injury throughout the whole season. And that's great. But on the other hand, it also makes skiing more fun. If you're like me and you're not skiing 60 days a year, you know, I grew up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I skied an ungodly amount. I went to a high school every day. I got out at 11 to go to ski training. Um, I had special curriculums that allowed me to ski more. I would be gone for weeks, months at a time throughout the school year, competing in Canada, on the East Coast, all over Colorado. Uh, and it was that volume you know, that lent itself to me becoming a better skier, learning about training, putting hours in the weight room, et cetera. But at this point in my life, I ski less frequently than I used to. So for me, it's extremely important to maintain my output in between my ski trips or my ski days. Because if I go up to the mountain and I'm going to ski for four days, I don't want to be gassed after day one and have it totally affect my trip. Like when I went back to Steamboat, I went back to Steamboat, I skied four days straight hard as hell because my body's ready for it. And then as soon as I come back here, you know, middle of winter, February, March, I'm still crushing my training because I know it's going to have a payout when I start spring skiing again, or like if I go to Mammoth this weekend. By maintaining your output, you're just never creating a lull in your training, and that's always going to keep your body primed and ready to ski. So shout out to everyone that's doing that. Shout out to everyone that's staying consistent. Also, I sent 100 people on Instagram 50% off membership coupon randomly. If you didn't get one, because like I said, it was random, and you'd like to take advantage of that, shoot me a DM. I'll hook you up. I'd love you to be on the ski system. Even in March going into April, it's a phenomenal product and it's taken 12 years to develop. You know, history as an athlete, a whole career as a personal trainer and coach. And I stand by it. I know it works. And hearing from you all only proves that. So shout out to everyone who's finding consistency. Today, we're gonna to talk about something that really came about because this is a question that I feel a lot from people. And it's also admittedly something that's a little hard to communicate via a web medium. I put a legend on the website. So if you ever have questions, you can basically look at this legend and it's going to explain and recommend different things that you can do to make your training more difficult or less difficult. But even then, it's really important that we discuss how to make things harder or easier because scalability is what keeps people consistent. 
if things are too hard, you're not going to do it. If they're too easy, you don't really feel like you're getting much out of it. So walking this line and finding that balance becomes really important throughout the season. So due to tons of follower and member reach out and feedback, I decided I'm just going to break them down for you. So this is like very high level, how you think about progression and regression as a coach. So if I was going to take on an athlete or if I was going to take on a client who was 65 with a knee replacement, you have to approach those people very differently. It can't be super cookie cutter. The programs on the website are membership-based. They're as is. And the goal here is to create programs of very difficulty to attract different people of different skill levels. But even then, you still need to have the availability and understanding of how to make things harder and when to make them harder. So I'm going to break down these five key things here. Um, I'll tell them to you now, and then I'm going to run through them one by one. But they are to change your handprint, change your footprint, change the resistance, reduce the rest protocol, or compound exercises. So let's talk about this. What does changing the handprint mean? The easiest way to think about this is a push-up. Because a push-up utilizes your arms to do the action. You start in a high plank, you descend towards the ground, you press the ground away with both hands, and that puts you back into the start of a push-up. If you were to change the handprint of a push-up, one thing that you could do is elevate one of the hands and keep one of the hands on the floor. Now your hand print, the, the print of your hand against the floor has been adjusted. You've created elevation on one side, depression on the other. That changes the way that your body is going to react to the pressing and the pulling. That's one way to do it. That's a very easy example. Another thing that you could do in the event that you're doing, let's say a bench press is go from a wide grip to a narrow grip, go from a narrow grip to a regular grip, go from an overhand grip to an underhand grip. All of these are examples of changing your handprint. And typically what changing your handprint does is it adjusts the fascial alignment within the body. So if your hands are facing you, you can do this simply by, I'm doing it on the video right now, but if your hands are facing away from you, you make a fist and then you rotate them towards yourself, you can see that the tissue is changing inside of your forearm. So this is going to change where the stress is placed on the joints. This is going to change where the stress is placed on the muscle and the fascial tissue. A push-up isn't the most applicable exercise for skiing, but this clearly explains what changing your handprint does. Typically, a change in handprint is going to decrease the stability of the exercise, which is great for skiers because the more stable we are across movements in the gym, the more stable we're going to be on snow. And stability is not a lower extremity only concept. It needs to be something that's extrapolated to your entire body because your entire body is skiing. Whether you think your upper body is involved or not, surprise, it is. So next we talk about changing our footprint. The easiest way to think about this is a squat. So you look down at your feet, they're about a foot apart. Maybe your toes are slightly turned out and you do a back squat. Now we're gonna change our footprint to be offset. So we're going to stagger our feet more like you're on skis, like uphill, downhill ski. That would be an adjustment in your footprint. You could go to a sumo deadlift where your feet are really wide and turned out almost the length of the barbell and then close them back to a conventional deadlift. Again, this wide separation and rotation of your feet 
changes how your femur sits in the hip socket. And so this doesn't change the muscle that does the action. It just changes where the stress is placed on the body. And again, that's important for skiing because skiing is unpredictable. As you're coming down the hill, you don't know exactly what the conditions are going to do. You could be coming out of the trees and at the last second get snagged by a little branch that got uncovered by snow. And all of a sudden your legs in a different position, that's not a conventional position. And that's where training different footprints is going to be valuable. Uh, your feet elevated off the ground is one example, doing a lunge versus doing a Bulgarian. That's a different footprint doing a lateral lunge versus a forward lunge. That's a different footprint. So changing your footprint, your handprint, these are great ways to decrease stability, increase the challenge, increase the complexity and take the same weight, for example, but make it more challenging. So let's say you're at home and you work out in your garage and you only have two kettlebells. Well, there's not a ton of progression, right? False. There's a ton of progression because if you change your footprint and your handprint, that singular or both those weights is going to become very challenging across these different planes of motion and different movements. So changing the footprint and handprint also multiplies the available amount of exercises. So if historically you've thought of body weight workouts as I can do push-ups and I can do squats. Now you can do push-ups, narrow grip push-ups, wide grip push-ups, offset grip push-ups, elevation, depression push-ups, power push-ups, clapping push-ups. The list goes on and on and on. And same with your feet. Your feet can stay planted. That's one footprint. Your feet can elevate off the ground. That's another footprint. You can lunge, jump lunge, side lunge, Bulgarian. All of these are examples of taking a lower extremity body weight exercise and progressing it by changing the footprint. Next comes the most obvious, and this is typically how most people aim to progress their workouts, and that's to change the resistance. Now, changing the resistance can be to change the resistance down, to decrease it on purpose, to increase, improve form, increase speed, or increase stability, or the weight can be increased to increase difficulty, place more stress on the muscle. In some cases, adding more weight can create stability. So changing the resistance in one direction or the other is a great way to progress exercises as well as regress them for different things. So if, for example, I'm doing a goblet squat with 30 pounds and I'm holding one dumbbell, a very easy progression of this would be to then do a goblet squat with 35 pounds, but I can also do a jump squat with 15 pounds. So there I'm taking the exercise. I'm actually decreasing the weight to progress the exercise because I would be taking myself from working on strength to power. So changing the weight in both directions based on your skill, based on what you're doing is a really great way to make things more challenging or to train different muscles systems, because on snow, you don't want to just have a strong back squat. You want to have a strong back squat that you can utilize through multiple planes of motion at different speeds, because that's what sport is. It's calling on your body to react, change direction, move quick, stop, slow down, speed up, carve angle, re resist friction. You know, all of these things, they require a body that is capable across multiple different levels of resistance. So changing the resistance, not necessarily increasing the resistance 
is the third and one of my favorite ways to change the progression. And don't be afraid to go down in weight. I think if you look on social media, you're going to typically see the end result of someone's training. You're going to see where they are today, and you're not going to see how many years it took them to get there. You're going to see how much they can lift, but you're not going to understand their weightlifting age, which is for how long they've been training. We know that strength adaptations take very long, especially at the higher levels. So when you're thinking about what to do next, experiment with going faster, going slower, catching and releasing, doing eccentric exercises. So you could, for example, take going back to that goblet squat example, you're doing a 35 pound goblet squat and to change the resistance, because you only have one dumbbell at your house, you slow down the speed. Now, 35 pounds by the end of the set feels like 60 pounds because you've gone slower through the movements. You can go slower or speed up. That's, those are great ways of changing the resistance of taking the same item and making it feel different. Because like I said a million times, that's what skiing is. When you get on skis, you have your skis, your boots, your body, and your outerwear. That is the weight on the ski going down the hill. That's not really going to change. What's going to change is the pitch, the speed, the direction, the environment, who you're looking out for. All those kind of factors play into it. And that changes how you ski down the hill. That changes how aggressively you move, how quickly you move. If you got to get out of the way. So training these different ways in your program is a really good place to start. You could do this with any program on the ski system. All 50 of the programs that I wrote, they're scalable by these metrics. You could just simply go from week one to week six, taking into account all the movement progressions that I've already written in there and do them just like that. Or you could decrease the foot or change the footprint or increase the weight or decrease the weight and try to go faster. All of that is in your control. So next we get to reduction of rest or increasing rest again. All of these can go in either direction because some days you're going to have more energy than others. Some days you will have just skied super hard. Some days you will have had a long rest. How you do these progressions and regressions is also a, a, an outcome based on where your output's been that week. So consider that when you're doing this kind of stuff. But what do we do with rest time? The main goal with rest is to allow your heart rate to come back down closer to resting, not to resting, right? That wouldn't be ideal. We want our heart to be pumping because we want blood going through our body, in, you know, keeping our circulation and keeping the muscles supplied with oxygen. So you don't want your heart rate to go all the way back down to resting, but you do want it to reduce for myriad different reasons. And that can be an entirely separate podcast in and of itself. But with our rest time, you have to think about what you're trying to accomplish. So if your goal is just to get stronger, you want to increase your one rep max or how much weight you can move over a specific amount of time, you're going to want to take longer rest periods because you want the heart rate to come down. And additionally, you want your muscle system to fully recover, buffer lactic acid, and be prepared to safely enter into the next set. If conditioning is your goal, being able to do the same actions over and over quickly, explosively, then you're going to want to manage your rest a little bit more so that each time you go into the next set, you're at an incrementally slightly higher heart rate because that's actually a little more applicable to skiing. You get down to the bottom run, your heart's higher than it was at the top. 
And then depending on what you have to do next, you want that conditioning there to push you through it. If you get down to the bottom run, you wait in the lift line. That's a really long rest time plus a chairlift ride. If you get down to the bottom of run and then the conditions get hairy and then you got to keep skiing or you lost someone, you got to catch up to them. Then you're going to have to operate at a higher heart rate with less rest. If you always have to stop halfway down a run and you want to get better at skiing all the way down, then you want to increase your conditioning and therefore want to reduce your rest within your training. So everything depends on what you want to accomplish. That should always be your guiding light. That should always be the thing that you choose to focus on when you're making these kind of decisions. I've talked a lot about this in other, other posts and in uh, blog posts, but the time of season matters too. So if you've been skiing a ton all through the year and your conditioning is pretty good and you feel like you're getting a decent amount of days on snow and you're still staying consistent in the gym and you're down to what I recommend is like a two day a week maintenance program, which again are available on the ski system. Now's an opportunity to maybe take advantage of a little more rest, focus on form in your workouts, take the weight increases if you can manage them, but don't worry so much about reducing the rest. If you're already utilizing all the weights in your gym, you can do pretty much all the movements at any speed, whatever that you want, and you have no other options to increase. So the complexity has been challenged. You've been changing the handprint, changing the footprint. You don't have any heavier weight to do. Now try doing everything the same, but reducing the rest purely out of the fact that you can now progress the exercises. You can get more out of it, increase your conditioning with the same amount of weights that you have. So rest reduction and the purpose behind it is a really important way to progress exercises. It's not just a lazy cop-out where you can go, okay, well, you know, now we're only going to rest 30 seconds. It doesn't necessarily need to be uh, perpetually less for the rest of your life until you're never resting and you're only doing hour long circuits that are way more taxing than skiing ever will be, make sure it's applicable. But if you're feeling comfortable, shave five seconds off your rest time. Instead of two minutes, go for a minute and 55 seconds. See how you feel. See how you feel after all sets. The other thing you can do is if you're resting after every exercise, you can rest after multiple exercises. And I wrote all of the programs in the ski system with the exception of a few strength-based kind of high-level, higher-difficulty programs. Pretty much everything can be done this way. You can group exercises together because I've chosen exercises that are opposing groups. Not necessarily muscles, but actions. So pushing, then pulling, then a core exercise. Anti-flexion core exercise, then a vertical press, then a vertical pull a lower body knee dominant exercise followed by a lower body hip dominant exercise followed by an explosive core movement. So everything that I've written in there is already structured so that you can take advantage of making these changes throughout your program. And it's not going to have a negative outcome on your experience. And this brings me to my final point. And another great way to progress exercises, really, I like to use this one if I've exhausted all the others. And that's just to compound exercises, group them together and form circuits. Circuit training is a great way to maintain conditioning and safety throughout the year for skiers, because you can take low impact exercises at moderate to low weight, group them together, build conditioning, maintain your strength. And you can do this at a pretty low weekly frequency. So you could get away with doing this at twice a week. 
you know, if you had two days of circuit training in the middle of your season, so if we're talking about January to end of March, that is going to complement your skiing so well because you will have already, you know, built the strength in the summertime, maintained it through the beginning of the season when you're still getting your feet under you. And then now you have this small conditioning, compounded exercise, multiple circuit program. And again, you can just do this on any program on the ski system. You just take, you know, accessory set A and accessory set B and group them together and rest at the end of the set or set a timer for 20 minutes, see how many times you can get through it. Anything that just keeps your heart rate elevated, keeps the quality of movement high, doesn't start to break down the form and utilizes the weights that you have available. So compounding exercises are a really good way to do that. Forming clusters. Um, I did this yesterday. I took, you know, I've been doing, maintaining my deadlift throughout the year, just because I'm a big believer in that. I did a podcast about it, wrote a blog article about it, why skiers should be deadlifting. I think it's extremely important, especially given the office working nature of most of us these days, post COVID, we need hip extension. We need glute power. We need glute strength to offset all the quad dominance in our life. And I took a, my deadlift, my kettlebell swing, both hip dominant exercises, and then a weighted explosive plyometric jump with ball slams at the end. I just grouped those together. Three exercises that I love, three exercises I can do back to back with no residual fatigue. And then I just set a timer for 10 minutes. I would do five of each exercise and then rest a minute. You could do five of each exercise and rest three minutes. It, it, you know, everything is scalable to the individual. But for me, that was a really good set. Got my heart rate from about 140 to 155 at the end of every set. So it was undulating throughout that, which I know based on collecting data skiing, that's actually much higher than I would ski at. But personally, I always like to have a buffer. I don't ever like the sport that I'm training for to be the biggest test of my conditioning. I like to get it all out in the gym, make sure that I'm 100% ready so that then when I go do the thing, I fully enjoy it. I think about the surfing the same way. I know my heart rate surfing gets between 135 and 145 beats per minute, depending on how big the surf is. So I make sure I train higher than that. So that when I get out there in the water, I'm not thinking about my heart rate when I'm getting smashed by some big set wave that's rolling through that I didn't see. So this, I mean, this is a side note. I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but playing around with your heart rate and monitoring it is a really cool thing to do. You can do this with Apple watch, Fitbit, heart rate monitor, whatever. There's so many apps out there that can track this kind of stuff, but it's really cool to know where your output levels are. What's your floor? What's your ceiling? When you ski a really tough top to bottom mogul run, where's your heart rate at? 190, 200? <laughs> uh, finding the, that range for you is going to be important because that's actually another way to progress exercise is to try to do it all while maintaining a higher heart rate or a lower heart rate. Can you do hard exercises while maintaining a lower heart rate? That would be a representation of your conditioning. Or can you do easier exercises? with a lower heart rate. Um, playing around with that stuff becomes really fun. I'm a super nerd about it. So if you ever have any questions about heart rate training and how to incorporate it into your strength training and skiing, just let me know because I'd love to talk to you about it for weeks at a time. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So let's recap that real quick. Uh, if you're training at a home gym, if you're training at a commercial gym, a training facility, if you have only body weight, None of that matters. 
the only thing that matters is that you take into account these five ways of progressing exercises. You can change the handprint. We talked about that with the push-up. That's literally adjusting how your hands look on the equipment or on the floor. You can change the footprint. Very similar. That's changing your feet on the floor or on the object. You can change resistance. This is the typical way of progressing exercises, just make things heavier. But we talked about different ways that you can do that. You don't always have to go heavier. You could go lighter to get faster. You could go heavier to get faster. That's a tough one. You could go lighter and more explosive, or you could keep the same weight and go more controlled, more eccentric, slower lowering of any movement. You can also do faster concentric. So a bicep curl has two phases. Concentric is curling the weight up to you. Eccentric is letting it go back down. You can also do the same weight and faster concentric exercises. So that's another option. Then we talked about reducing rest and different ways that you can do that. Reducing rest for conditioning, increasing rest so that you can develop more strength or doing the same amount of stuff with a higher heart rate. And then we closed out with compounding exercises, taking exercises, putting them together to add a challenge, less rest time and opposing joint actions is the key thing there. But like I said, all of this stuff's already been baked into the ski system program. So if you're listening to this and you're not on the ski system, give it a shot. You get a free seven day trial. It's so easy. You just put in your email, you put in your credit card, but you can cancel. It's very easy to cancel. It's not some janky website. It's a real deal. <laughs> and you get seven days free to try it out. So do it on a Sunday, work out twice, cancel it. I don't care. I just want you to experience it. I believe in this product. And I know that once you start training on it, it'll make sense. It helps you log your weights. It helps you track your consistency. It has prescribed rest. Progressions are already built in through the six-week periods of each program. You can do them in two-day-a-week or three-day-a-week programs, depending on what your availability is. And it's all scaled based on exercise history, available equipment, skier skill level, desired training frequency, and then what you want to accomplish. Do you want to ski faster? Do you want to ski more terrain? Do you want to ski without getting fatigued? I take all of this into account. You can go to the website, getskisystem.com, scroll down to the bottom or click the link at the top that says, find your training program, answer the prompt. So easy. And then bam, start training today. I'm going to train tomorrow and I'm going to go to mammoth. And then I'm going to keep training. I'm going to train all summer long because it never ends. Longevity, health, wellness, all this stuff matters so much. It will keep you out of the hospital. You're investing in yourself and look, Life's just better when you're strong and conditioned because things are more fun. So if you have any questions, never hesitate to reach out. I'm available 24 seven. I love connecting with listeners. I love connecting with members. I love connecting with followers on the social channels. And I take the time to respond. Ask anyone who's ever emailed me. I send legitimate, big, long responses to answer your questions. I have the time for you and I want to use it. So thank you for tuning in. Check back next week as we cover more awesome topics relating to performance, optimization, rest, and recovery specific to skiing.